Welcome to Ship Talk, the SRE edition. I'm Jim Hershauer, your host for today. Ship Talk is a DevOps podcast brought to you by Harness, the software delivery platform, and the SRE edition focuses on reliability topics. My guest here today is Steve McGee from Google. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to be here. Great to have you. Steve, could you please take a minute to fill in our listeners on your background and what you're up to today? Sure. So I'm Steve. I work at Google. I worked there for a long time. I was a, an SRE inside of Google for about a decade. I worked on things like Android and Google Fiber as well as YouTube. I actually then left Google. I, I joined a, a company here in California to help move them to the cloud, which is like a super common thing for, for companies to be doing right now. And it, man, it was it was hard. It was really hard. And I learned a heck of a lot in that, you know, one to two years. I actually ended up going back to Google to kind of help more people do that. Um, so for a while, I was I had a role called Solution Architect, which is kind of a common role you see a lot across a lot of providers. But now my job is in DevRel, so I'm a, a reliability advocate, which is a title that I just invented myself. So basically, <laughs> I talk with customers and I do things like this, and I talk about SRE and reliability and DevOps and all kinds of stuff that all kind of like overlap with each other. And I just try to help people understand it because there's a lot to learn here. Awesome. Thanks for that background. So, Steve, I know you're familiar with the format of the show. We do a little bit of something up front just for fun. And so we'll start there. I'd love to tell you, what is your favorite hobby outside of work? That's a good question. My kids keep me pretty busy, but outside of that, I like to describe myself as a former athlete. So I was like a competitive swimmer growing up and I did triathlon in college and stuff like that. So I, I try to like ride a lot of bikes and mostly mountain bikes these days because I'm scared of roads now. And, Don't blame uh, and I lift weights. Like that's my, my latest like departure from like the, the original thing. And I also coach swimming a little bit. So that's, that's pretty fun too. So like my kids uh, are in junior high and high school and it's fun to kind of help with that kind of athletic side of town to, to, you know, become better competitive swimmers. It's, it's kind of like my lifelong passion is I'm strangely good in the water. So I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great also to give back and, and do a little bit of coaching at the same time. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Well, I'm, I'm kind of excited about today's topic, our main topic. We're going to talk about a website called, or a project, I should say, that has a website called r9y.dev. And for anyone who wants to check that out, that is the letter R, the number nine, the letter Y dot D-E-V. So please go ahead and, and jump out there to that website while we're, while we're talking about things. So, uh, you know, this is something that we, Steve, you and I talked about this when we met at SRECon in Amsterdam last year. And I had seen it before that and was excited that we got to talk about it in person. So why don't you share with the listeners, what is this project and, and how did it get started? Well, like it's, it really just started out kind of as a joke, <laughs> as all good projects start out as. And the idea was we wanted to build the civilization tech tree if you're familiar with the game civilization love it but for reliability for like sre and devops and stuff like that so um we actually don't call it the sre tree or the devops tree like we we were specifically constraining it to reliability and not constraining it to the google sre form of reliability so it's like generically it's just you know reliability stuff and so the the way that you want to think about it is 
in civilization, if you want to go to space, you have to learn pottery at the very beginning of the game. Right. And you have to know that you have to learn that first. Like it's, it's, it's a hassle if you get all the way to, you know, the late technology tree and you have to go back and learn pottery, right? It's, it's, a, that's a bummer. And so the, we, we felt that that was a good analogy to what we saw a lot of customers were struggling with because they would say, yo, I want to do something like super advanced, like space flight. You know, we want to do like multi-cluster canary deployments and like super complicated observability. And we're like, great, like let's let's talk. And then we find out after, you know, a few hours or, or, or days or weeks of talking with the customer that they're actually struggling with something really simple, right? They're, they're, they're way further like to the left, if you will, on the tree than, than we expected. And this was before the tree existed. So we just kind of like were mentally picturing this and so we just decided one day to sit down and try to write it down. And so what we, the way that it's structured is the the far left is like, if you think of it in terms of nines, the far left is like one nine, like a, a, a not very reliable system. Like this is something that runs on your laptop and, and it's not, it's not available. Like when you close your laptop, you know, it's just, it's not a production grade system. And on the far right is like something that has like five nines. So it's something really like giant and, and, you know, robust. And I think of like Google ads is like, has all of these capabilities built into its system somewhere and they do like the super fancy stuff. So the, the trick is to kind of find where you set, where you are on the map, like from left to right, and then figure out where you want to go. And then the map helps guide your way, helps you discover what it is you should work on next. That's amazing. So one of the things that really drew me to this when I first saw it was, you know, the conversations that I get to have in, in my work life. I get to talk to a lot of different companies about reliability and how they're approaching reliability within, within their organization. And I've often found that many companies have some ideas on what they want to do for reliability or they're, cert they're at a certain maturity level. I'll use that term in their reliability practices, but often they are looking for guidance on, you know, what do they do next? Or maybe, you know, their, their initiatives aren't producing the, the results that they really wanted out of them. And so they're really looking for some guidance. So that's when I saw this, I thought, Hey, this actually looks like something that could help guide people in a vendor agnostic way, you know, from a capabilities perspective, help guide them from a kind of a very low level of maturity or wherever they stand today through to as mature as they want to get, or as it makes sense for their individual organization and applications. Yeah, we actually, when I talk to customers, I try to avoid the term maturity. I, yeah. I recognize it's a useful concept, yeah. but like if you're more reliable, that doesn't make you more mature. Like those, those I think are like, you know, not exactly the same term. Yeah. And also you can be extremely mature and not need reliability so much, right? You might have a system that is totally background and like can fail and it's no big deal. And, you know, not, not to, to pick on your wording, but like you, you won't see a maturity matrix come out of this. Like that's not the point. We've actually found that it's really, I think we actually put this in our little, there's this other little book that we wrote, but, but we found that trying to apply a maturity matrix to reliability is so like, it feels like such a good idea and it always backfires. Like, so we're trying really hard to, to instead focus on just building up of capabilities over time. And as you get more capabilities, you're simply more capable. Like you can, you can just do more things and it's not actually reflective of, you know, what, you know, are you three out of five or are you four out of five or, or, or whatever. And I've, I've found that that does help quite a bit. And, but you're right about like being able to discover, you know, like a, like you said, like a vendor agnostic way through this forest, right across this map is really important because 
without something like this, all you're stuck with is the like vendor non-agnostic ways, right? And, right. and, and it's you really have to interpret all the marketing material and you have to interpret the historical context that everything was built in and and none of it really relates to what it is that you're trying to accomplish as a team. And you just sit there and squint and you have to figure out like, what is, what do you think that, how would this actually work if we used it? You know, um, And that's, that's pretty difficult to do without this kind of like third party system that we're trying to build. Yeah. And, and I love that term that you used. I love looking at it from a perspective of capabilities instead of maturity, because that's absolutely right. You, it, you know, maturity is a very different thing than putting together all of these capabilities and being able to accomplish this or achieve certain things within an organization. On that line of thinking for, you know, having this matrix of capabilities where you compared it to civilization, where you have kind of a dependency map of capabilities that build upon each other is the project in that state today where all of those relationships are already built out what is the status of the project how far along is it what could people expect if they go out to the website yeah it's not that far along okay <laughs> so, uh, all right. the we we tried to have like a you know fully directed graph like that would be great like you just you have to do this and then this and then this and like it'd be perfect but like it doesn't that doesn't work it simply is like everything is so loosely related and loosely coupled on like on purpose which is great that it's not that straightforward to have like a fully connected graph so what we have instead we have a couple like edges a few arrows and and mostly they were there to make sure that like the arrows worked in the ui mm -hmm. but um, we haven't really found that it makes a lot of sense to have really a, a strong opinion in, when it comes to edges there, there are some where it makes sense and there some of them are in there um, but but really at the end of the day what what the the, the part that's important is the kind of the columns, if you will. So like the, the vertical groupings of them, like I said, they're in like, we call them like the nine. So there's the one, nine, the two, nine, the three, nine, the four, nine. And those are, those are pretty hand wavy still, but the intent is that the uh, capabilities that are in those columns relate directly to your ability to react to an incident or to have some, like it has to do with reaction time. And so if, a capability involves like a human looking at a dashboard and like running a script that cannot be in the four nines or three nines category. Like it, there's just, humans just aren't fast enough. And if, you know, if, if we have something that is like, at, you know, beginning this and then, you know, intermediate that and advance that those are going to be spread out sort of from left to right also. And they, they may have arrows between them. So yeah, if, if you go and look at it today, you'll find, you know, there's a lot of boxes with words on them and the, some of the words seem a little ambiguous and, those we can help get get help on. Click in on them, you'll see a bit more text that kind of explains things. There, I will admit, there's plenty of lorem ipsum still in there. Like that needs to be right. like kind of filled in still. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's a work in progress for sure. Still, I don't expect it to have a fully populated graph. I don't expect it to ever be done either. If there are like there are, there also are like you know the the nodes that are on the graph today are not the final you know like set either so we want to be able to take recommendations and like direct contributions from the community right now actually getting it into the graph is strangely difficult adding words is easy like we can take prs directly to add like actually you did that like i remember you were one of our first prs um, right yeah to, to add some a bunch of text um and then but adding nodes we have to do it just because the tool we used is like this hassle thing to use but we do accept in in, in that form, we just accept issues. So like we're using GitHub. If you want to add or modify the existing like boxes that are on the graph, you, we ask that you just file an issue and, and just kind of explain what you think we should change. And then we'll figure out how to do it. So that's, that, that's the state of, of the game today. 
All right. So it sounds like the project is off to a pretty good start. There's definitely some work that needs to be done. It's, it's never going to be finished, right? but you definitely are looking for people to participate in here, for people who are passionate about reliability. And can I add the re word resiliency in there? Well, that's a, yeah. I mean, so there's there's reliability, robustness, and resiliency. And, and my impression is uh, there's humans are the ones who are resilient, generally, not, not systems. Mm -hmm. uh, systems can be made to be robust. And out of that, you can gain resilience, like your system will, will be, and it will have the quality of being reliable. So yeah, those words tend to be intermingled quite a lot, but like there are like some clear definitions, but I don't, I don't think the community is, is too, uh, you know, needs it to be perfect every time. It's, it's pretty tricky. All right. So the call to action here is if you are passionate about the subject, if you're interested in the subject, please go out visit the website, look at the project and see if you have information that you can add to the project where you can go ahead and help the community in general. Yeah. And, and if you have, if you represent a tool or a vendor of some kind, like just, just like, like you guys do the, the, we don't need to be like, we don't need to like hide the tools and the vendors. Like we actually want to like put them right in the list. So if you click on something like CICD, you'll see there's a list of tools, right? And so the intent is not to have a capability that is named after a tool. Uh, but when you click into that capability, you should be able to see which tools will get you there. Right. So I don't want to like hide it. I, I don't want this to be like super abstract, you know, textbook. Uh, I do want the presence of, of vendors to be discoverable. And the idea is that we want to have people who are building out capabilities be able to say like, Hey, how do I actually get this? Like, do I need to build it or can I buy it or can it like, is there an open source solution? So, we want to be able to be able to click into capability and, and be able to make these decisions pretty quickly. Awesome. That's great to hear. I think there's definitely a need for, for that merge of capability with how do you get that capability, right? Need to, to help people find a way to get that capability. All right. So that's the, that's the main topic for today at ship talk. We have another section following the main topic, another just for fun section. And one of my favorites to hear about is IT mess ups, right? Because I've, I've lived yeah. the life. I've had my fair share of mess ups when I've been working. So Steve, what is your worst IT mess up that you'd like to share? Well, I have two that I'd like to share. One, I always definitely me, I definitely screwed it up. And the other one isn't really a screw up, but it's just a fun story. Mm -hmm. And so the first one, I was a intern at Sun Microsystems. And the, the kind of weirdest thing about this is the place that I was sitting, like my desk, is now a Google office. And I used to have a team, you know, 10 years from that point, which sat in the same exact spot. Oh, so wow. it was like kind yeah. of this funny Silicon Valley like moment. Yeah. But anyway, when I was an intern, my job was to like move people's computers, like their, their work computers, like from the new office to the old or from the old office to the new office or whatever. And part of that was moving their data between like filers and like setting up their printers and all this stuff. And at one point, um, I was doing, thankfully it was only a chmod. It wasn't like a RM or a move or a, or a chone or anything. And I, I definitely like recursively chmodded a lot of people's, you know, work files yeah. in, in like a consistently incorrect way. Yeah. And I got so scared and my, you know, intern host or whatever, like came over and he's like, this is fine. You didn't delete anything. And like, like, <laughs> like, we can like, easily the, change the, that back. Like, yeah, yeah. The, like the owner of the files can fix this stuff. Fine. Like, it, like you didn't actually destroy anything. You just like made it weird. Yeah. And that's like that's fine. So that, that scared the heck out of me at the time for some reason. But that was when I was like 20 maybe. Yeah. Um, and I just realized the other day that I've actually been carrying a pager for work since I was 19 years old. 
and like for computer stuff. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't know if maybe it was, yeah, it was probably 19 and pretty, pretty much consistently. And by pager, I mean, you know, an actual pager and then eventually like a, a cell phone, I guess, but like with paging capabilities built into it. But the other story that is maybe more interesting because it's like involves Google was I, I was on the team that ran mobile search when it was very small back when mobile wasn't a big deal. Um, and I think it was actually pre-smartphone. So it was like pre-Android, pre-iPhone. Or maybe it was like right around the time when they first came out. Yeah. So we had a way that you could search, you know, Google search from your phone. And it was kind of like this niche thing. Um, and that was the, 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 the moment that sticks in my head is really interesting was the day that Michael Jackson died. Mm -hmm. Because that was the first time where like a thing happened in like the worldwide visible culture where everyone immediately like, ask their phone if it was true. Yeah. And so we had this like giant, giant, giant spike of requests. Like, like you've seen, you think you've seen big spikes in your past, but this is, I, I guarantee you, this is bigger than anything you've ever seen. Right. This wave of requests coming in just because of, you know, one piece of, you know, very well distributed news. Right. Uh, and it was, we were not prepared for it at all. And so we ended up doing this thing where we had all of these basically we searched front ends that were out in the world. They're all at full capacity. They're just, just getting hammered. And we basically like went rogue and we like took, you know, essentially like the lowest, cheapest possible machines you could get within Google. They're, you know, virtual machines, not real machines. And we just got as many of them as possible. Yeah. And the, the, the deal with these is that if you get them, someone can take them from you because they're not, you, they're not actually yours. And so we just got more and more and more and we just kept like stealing them as many as we could just to bring up these front ends. And it worked pretty well for a while. And we kind of recovered from the, from this massive wave, but it was like definitely an act of, you know, encountering a, a huge external uncontrollable event in a, in a complex system. And it was, it was pretty fun. I have a joke about it and I hope it's not in bad taste, but like the, the, the event was like, it was so big that I, I want to have like a measurement for it. Like it, and I like to refer to it like that was one like Michael Jackson level event. And right. so whenever I have these like huge events, like, and I try to compare them in my head, I, I try to measure them in turn in, and the unit I use is micro Jacksons. So <laughs> this was a, a 500 micro Jackson event. Like it was half as bad as that. Day. I like so that. It's a silly term and, and I, I don't mean offense by, by, you know, using the name, but it's, it's, it just, it's just too good to, to walk by. Yeah, totally understood. And it's incredible what sort of world events can, can, you know, trigger a massive wave that hits yeah, a website. Like why was it that one? Yeah. It was, just, it was just timing. Like just people had phones in their pockets and they're like, oh, I've heard you can search for things on these little pocket devices. Like, let's try it. You yeah. Know, it was like people at pubs like going, oh, did you hear? And it used to be when you said, did you hear? You just kind of went, no. And that was it. But now it was, now you would say, no, let me look that up. You know, and like that was a, a, a cultural shift. You know, it was pretty neat to see that on a graph. Yeah. Amazing times have changed. I, I had to explain yeah. to my kids the other day what a pager was, like what the actual device yeah. was and how it worked. They had no idea what it was. <laughs> yeah. Try explaining the name too, like page, like a piece of paper. Right. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I'm not really sure how to explain that actually. Yeah. All right, Steve. Well, listen, thank you for sharing your stories with us. Thank you for telling us about r9y.dev. It's a great resource. So again, call to action. If you are interested in it, please jump out there and, and join the project and help the community by sharing your knowledge. And to all of our listeners, if you are an SRE or if you're in a related role and you'd like to be a guest on Ship Talk, please go ahead and send an email to 
podcast at shiptalk.io, and we'll get back to you. Thanks again, Steve. That's all for now. Until next time. Uh, uh.